team, Raf here, with Ask Me Anything for today, Saturday the 21st of November 2020. Okay, Holly says, hey Raf, are you able to further explain how the psoas muscle works and how to release or strengthen it if it's causing hip and back pain? May your day be full of coffee. Thanks Holly. All right, well, there, there's a fair bit to unpack there. Um, let's talk about the psoas. The psoas is commonly referred to as one of the hip flexors, um, and indeed, it, one of its actions is to flex the hip. However, it's a little bit more um, involved than that. The psoas originates on all five lumbar vertebrae on the anterolateral, or the kind of front slash side of the vertebral body, and the front um, edge of the transverse processes of those lumbar vertebrae. And the transverse processes are just the pokey outy bits of bone that stick out the sides of those lumbar vertebrae. So it's on L1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 on the side of the um, vertebral bodies and also the front edge of the transverse processes. And it also arises from the vertebral body of T12, which is your lowest thoracic vertebra. So its origin spans the entire lumbar spine plus the lowest thoracic vertebra. Um, and it also arises from the intervertebral discs between those um, uh, vertebrae. Now, it then it runs sort of outwards and downwards and slightly forwards and passes over a little notch in the front of the pelvis directly in front of the hip socket and then runs backwards below the hip to insert into the lesser trochanter, which is a bony bump on the inside of the femur, directly below the hip, on the medial part of the femur, um, which is pretty much directly in line with the hip socket. Now, if you are standing upright with your legs straight, or if you're lying on your back with your legs straight, or lying on your front with your legs straight, basically, if your legs are you know, straight in line with your body, or AKA your hip is neutral, then if you draw a line, so imagine you're standing, someone's standing, you're looking at them from the side view, and you draw a line directly through the center of mass of their body. So it passes through the middle of their outside ankle bone, through the middle of their knee, through the middle of their hip, through the middle of their torso, through the middle of their shoulder, etc. So straight line just through the center of mass of their body. Well, that line is going to pass through the origin and the insertion of the psoas. So both of those points are pretty much exactly on the center line of the body, and it's also going to pass through the center of the hip joint. So what we have when you're standing upright is the origin and the insertion of psoas both being on a vertical line, which is also in line with the midpoint of the hip socket. So in other words, the origin insertion and the hip socket all lie on one straight line. So despite the fact that the psoas kind of runs very slightly forwards from the spine and then runs very slightly backwards um, once it passes over the front of the pelvis, it's basically in a neutral hip, you know, when you're just standing straight or lying flat on your back or whatever, it's basically not really going to flex the hip. It's merely going to shunt the femur upwards, you know, into the hip socket. It's basically going to compress the hip, not flex it. Now, that is just because the origin and the insertion are on a straight line that also passes through the hip socket. Now, as you flex your hip, as you bring the leg forwards in front of the body, whether you're standing, sitting, lying, you know, whatever, as you flex your hip, the lesser trochanter, or the insertion of the psoas, on the inner thigh there, very, very upper inner thigh, 
um, moves forwards. So now the insertion of the psoas is forwards of the origin and the line from the origin to the insertion no longer passes through the center of the hip socket. So as you flex your hip, the psoas now has what's called a mechanical advantage or a lever to flex the hip. So the psoas actually becomes a hip flexor as you move into hip flexion. So when you're standing in neutral or lying in neutral, the psoas basically doesn't flex the hip. It just compresses the hip. It kind of squishes the femoral head up into the acetabulum. Whereas as you flex your hip progressively more and more, the psoas has progressively more and more mechanical advantage to be to exert hip flexion uh, moment on the hip. So, uh, and by the time you get to about 90 degrees of hip flexion, so kind of, you know, lifting your knee up um, so that your, your knee's as high as your hip joint, uh, the psoas is a very powerful hip flexor and beyond about 90 degrees, it becomes the most powerful hip flexor. So, it's a really interesting muscle at the hip because it goes from being basically not a hip flexor when you're standing to being pretty much the most powerful hip flexor when you're flexed beyond 90 degrees. And so there's a progressive increase in the advantage that psoas has as a hip flexor the more you flex your hip. So is it a hip flexor or not? Yes, at certain hip angles. And when you're standing or lying on your back flat, um, it pretty much isn't a hip flexor. All right, now it also does a little bit of adduction um, because the origin, you know, on the um, vertebral bodies and the transverse processes of L1 to L5 and the vertebral body of T12 and the intervertebral discs, the origin there is basically is the midline of the body. Whereas the insertion at the lesser trochanter, which is on your upper inner thigh, the medial part of your thigh, um, is uh, further away from the midline. You know, it's it's more lateral. So it's going to pull that femur slightly medially, not very much, just a little bit. So I would class the psoas as a kind of a weak adductor of the hip. And also because it's going to pull... Um, as it pulls into hip flexion, assuming that your hip is a little bit flexed, it's going to pull the lesser trochanter forwards and the lesser trochanter is on the medial part of the femur. Um, So it's going to pull the medial part of the femur forwards, not the lateral part of the femur. So um, it's actually the lesser trochanter is sort of on the posteromedial femur. So it's slightly behind the midline of the femur on the inside part of the femur. So it's going to pull that forward, which is going to result in the femur rotating outward. It's going to pull the inside part of the femur forward, which is going to result in the femur rotating outward. So again, the size is not what I would call a powerful hip rotator, but it is a, you know, it's it's notable that it, part of its action is hip external rotation. So it does a combination of hip flexion, hip adduction, and hip external rotation. Um, But, you know, asterisk, when the hip is in neutral, uh, it pretty much doesn't do any of the above. It just squishes the femoral head up into the acetabulum. Right, now the the psoas also has an action on the lumbar spine. So it originates on L1 to L5, and also the T12. And so... (sighs) 
it's you know we we could go into quite a bit of detail here, uh, but I won't because of the non-visual medium we're in. Um, but basically, um, the psoas is a flexor of the lumbar spine. Now, the action of the size on the spine also changes depending on the position of the spine and on the position of the hip. So it's not always a flexor of the lumbar spine. At, at some points, it's an extensor of some parts of the spine and a flexor of other parts of the spine. Um, but we won't go into that because your brain will uh, start to do backflips um, without me having the ability to draw this for you. Um, but basically, the psoas exerts an action on the lumbar spine. It's a spinal flex. Let's call it a spinal flexor. Um, and because it is, you know, it moves from the midline on the spine out to more lateral on the femur, it's going to pull the spine sideways. It's going to laterally flex the spine. So it's a spine flexor and lateral flexor. Um, and it's also going to pull the spine uh, spine into a little bit of rotation. So it's going to pull those transverse processes forwards. So if you pull, for instance, the transverse processes on the left side forwards, well, that will cause the spine to rotate to the right. So the left psoas is going to bend you to the left and rotate you to the right, plus flex you. So this, the psoas has a fairly complex set of actions and they change significantly depending on the position of the spine and the position of the hip at the time. All right, but basically, it's a hip flexor and adductor and external rotator, and it's a spinal flexor and side bender and contralateral rotator, so it rotates to the opposite side. So if you were to strengthen your psoas, well, to strengthen it, you could do inner range hip flexion, so lifting your knee, your leg with your bent knee, um, as high as possible, you know, so like standing knee tucks, you know, you can do single leg knee tucks or double leg knee tucks, um, or uh, a great way to progress it is if it's, if that's really, really hard, is to sort of do a, like a push up or a plank against the wall, basically, so have your hands on flat on the wall, feet on the floor, body pretty straight, and you lean forwards on the on the wall and the more you lean forwards uh sort of the the easier it'll be because you're reducing the angle to gravity so um you can then sort of do single leg knee tucks um and you could even go all the way down to you know hands and knees on the floor and do single leg knee tucks that would be the the easier or the regressed version um or to regress it even more you could do a side lying knee tuck uh, and to make it harder you could add resistance so you could you know do a standing knee, you know, knee tuck. And, and I have to emphasize again that the higher you lift your knee, the more you're isolating the psoas. You'll never truly isolate it, but you'll work it harder as you flex your knee, your hip, sorry, more. So as you flex your hip, you know, beyond 90 degrees, then apply over pressure with your hand. So just push back downwards on your knee with your hand. So that should be a really effective um way to strengthen your psoas. Now, if you really wanted to, you could add in a little bit of adduction and external rotation to that movement. So knee tuck with a little bit of adduction and external rotation of the hip. Um, but that's not really going to, you know, significantly change, you know, how much muscle activity you get, I would imagine. All right. So that's how you strengthen it. How you stretch it is just uh, you know, thinking about how do we pull the origin insertion as far apart as possible. Well, that would be hip extension plus abduction plus internal rotation with spinal side bending to the opposite side, spinal extension and spinal 
uh, rotation to the same side. So that would be, it's kind of a complicated uh, mouthful when you uh, try and you know listen to it or, or say it. But basically you just do a kneeling lunge, right, with your, with your back knee out to the side. And you, then you side bend to the other side, you know, to side bend towards the front side leg. And that should be a pretty uh, effective so as stretch. Now, as to why you would want to strengthen or stretch your psoas. So how to release or strengthen if it's causing hip and back pain. So, well, my question would be, how do you know if it's causing hip and back pain? Um, so if you had a strain of your psoas, um, that could cause hip and back pain. How would you get a strain of your psoas? Well, you'd get it, you know, doing high-speed running maybe or any like repeated high-speed inner range hip flexion um, or full range hip flexion even, um, you know, it's but something pretty strenuous and athletic. Um, whereas if you just kind of had a gradual onset of your pain with no particular kind of traumatic event, uh, it's much more likely that your pain is caused by some much more complicated interaction of uh, biological, psychological, and social factors. So, um, you know, things like systemic inflammation, um, poor quality sleep or not enough sleep, uh, elevated stress hormones, um, uh, you know, worry, um, you know, stuff going on in your social environment, like uncertainty or, um, uh, you know, fights with loved ones or friends or relationship stress, etc. So all of these things can interact to um, contribute to pain. And, in the, you know, if there's some kind of plausible traumatic incident um, that would result in an injury to the psoas, like a muscle tear, um, then, you know, I would treat it as such and probably, you know, rest it for 48 hours, let the inflammation start to settle and then gradually start to load it uh, using the progressions that I described. However, if it's just kind of like an insidious onset, you know, low back and hip pain that's kind of, just kind of gradually developed um, and there hasn't been a big change in your activity recently, um, I would examine other things like more systemic factors like sleep and stress and diet and general exercise and things like that. Uh, and just basically the things that make humans more resilient and, and you know, flourish. Uh, and if there's been a big change in your activity, like if you've, you know, recently taken up, you know, sprint training or, you know, Irish dancing or something like that, that involves a lot of repeated hip flexion. Um, and now your low back and hip is a bit sore. Well, that kind of, you know, that is plausible that it could be kind of a too much too soon situation with your hip flexors uh, and slash, you know, including slash or your psoas, um, in which case just, you know, back off the amount of activity that you're doing. Don't stop, just, you know, do less um, until it, the soreness you know, decreases and then gradually increase your activity, but not as fast as you did last time. So I hope that helps Holly. All right. Uh, Lisa says, how do I get finance for a machine you do Pilates on, aka a reformer? Well, uh, Lisa, um, if you're talking about just a single one, which sounds like you are, I would say probably um, 
if you buy a new, you have to buy a new machine. Um, the cheapest, the easiest, not the cheapest, the easiest way would be to just use a credit card to buy it. So there's finance. Um, most, if you don't want to pay the exorbitant interest rates that uh, credit card companies charge, um, most um, equipment manufacturers uh, or distributors offer some version of finance where they'll basically lease you the equipment or um, they will arrange finance through a third party more usually. Where basically it's you basically get a loan. It's a personal loan using the equipment as security. So um, talk to uh, equipment uh, distributors, you know, whoever you're going to thinking of buying the equipment off about that because they will usually have, um, you know, some kind of way of doing that. I know at Breathe Education, we sell uh, an, a home folding reformer, um, uh, which is great for practicing on at home. We don't kind of finance it as such, but we do do like a layaway plan where you can pay, pay it off. Uh, in installments, and then once it's paid off, though, that's when you get it. So, um, when you say finance, it, you, I, it, I kind of understand that to mean that basically you get it now, and then you pay it off after you get it. Um, so, I hope that helps, Lisa. I'll just go basically either if you've got you know room on your credit card, I'll just do that. Um, if uh, you don't want to wait, and if uh, or if you want to pay less interest, go talk to the equipment supplier. Um, or even better, um, save up and wait till you've got the money before you buy it. All right. Ashley says, hey, Raph, um, May Group grad here. So you would have graduated a couple months ago. Congratulations. This month, I've been hired to work at a Pilates studio. Woohoo. Working regular hours weekly and getting paid $45 an hour. Good for you. I saw a post on your on our BE Facebook group and used an ATO tool that Cat Web shared. So that's the Australian Taxation Office. And the tool that you're uh, referring to is there's a tool on the Australian Taxation Office website that basically uh, lets you uh, ask you to input a bunch of information to figure out whether you should be a casual or a contractor or a permanent employee. Um, and, you know, I think in the Pilates industry, a lot of people are on contract, um, which means, you know, you don't get sick pay, holiday pay, superannuation, um, you know, a whole bunch of benefits. And, and, and also that you don't have any job security. So you can basically be terminated with, you know, one second's notice um, if you're a contractor. Uh, whereas um, in reality, I think most of those people are employed under conditions such that, you know, de facto, they are in fact permanent employees. And so some of those uh, conditions or tests that you'll find on that ATO tool are things like, well, do you always work the same regular hours? Um, do Do you provide your own tools or does the workplace provide the tools for you? Um, could you send somebody else to substitute for you without notifying work? You know, so I mean, imagine you, you hire a plumber, right? Uh, and that, you know, to come and fix your block drain, right? So if you ring up John's Plumbing and you say, oh, you know, want a plumber for tomorrow, and then the plumber shows up and it's not John, it's Fred, right? Well, you're not that upset, really. It's like you don't really care which plumber you get. You just want some plumber to come fix your 
sink. And if Fred rocks up then and says, okay, well, I'm here. Have you got a, have you got a wrench and, a, you know, a hammer and all that? And you're like, no, I thought you were going to bring your own tools. Um, and so you think about, you know, what you expect from a contractor is basically they work on an ad hoc basis. So they don't have, re- you know, you don't have a plumber who works, you know, 10 hours a week for you, just comes and, you know, does does the same hours every week. They You only call them when you need them. Um, and they bring their own tools and they can just send someone else to do the same job and you don't care. Whereas an employee tends to, you know, a, a permanent employee tends to work, you know, set hours, you know, the same hours each week, um, doesn't supply their own tools. The workplace supplies the tools. In, in our case, the tools of our trade are reformers, you know, foam rollers, fitness circles, and Pilates mats. So if your workplace provides those, um, and then thirdly, you can't just send somebody else in to do your shift. So just say uh, you're, you know, working uh, Tuesday afternoon, teaching the 5pm class, uh, and then you decide, you know what, I don't feel like working today, I might stay home and watch some Netflix instead. So you send your housemate instead to go teach your shift. Well, just say your boss walks in and sees your housemate teaching the shift and says, who the hell are you? And you're like, and the housemate's like, oh, don't worry, you know, I'm here to teach Ashley's class. She doesn't feel like coming in today. Um, so I can imagine that would not be okay with your workplace, which all of those things kind of added together. And there are a few other things as well. But basically, you know, all of those things added together strongly suggest that, in fact, if they're the case for you as a Pilates instructor, you're probably legally um, a permanent employee, so a part time employee, rather than a contractor or a casual employee. Uh, however, most uh, Pilates instructors, I believe, are actually you know employed you know nominally as contractors. Now, the benefits of being a permanent employee are you get sick pay, holiday pay, superannuation um, on top of your hourly rate. Um, so, Ashley's got this situation. Um, I worked out that I should be getting paid super as I'm earning over 450 a month. I'm currently on a contract and want to bring this up with my employer, although I fear repercussions and losing my job. Do you have any advice or recommend what I should do? So um, good on you, Ashley. You've done your homework. You've figured out, you know, um, what your rights are and what you're entitled to legally. Uh, And now the question really is, you know, about the how do you manage the conversation of bringing that up with your employer um, without, you know, losing your job. Well, I think there is no way um, to guarantee that you don't lose your job um, or to guarantee that there are no repercussions. Um, I think there are definitely things you can do to improve your chances. Um, And those, you know, things uh, as as I see it would be, um, you know, do it, uh, give the person... uh, advance notice that you want to talk about this and ask if you can make a time um, and do that in a very respectful, uh, friendly, open, positive way. Um, so, you know, read, you know, write them a text or an email um, and just say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I love working at you know, XYZ Studio and I love my clients and I love my, you know, my colleagues and I'm learning so much. Um, but, you know, I do have some questions around um, my, you know, being a contractor because I feel like I'm actually more of a permanent employee. Um, And, you know, I'd really like to discuss this with you. Uh, And, you know, so would you have, you know, some time 
in the next week or two when we could sit down quietly and, you know, and, and chat through this. Um, and I would, you know, read that three or four times, don't send it, wait a day, read it a couple more times, make sure it reads as, you know, respectful, positive, open, you know, not accusatory or sort of whinging or any of those sort of other things. Um, and uh, then just, you know, just just be straightforward, just be straight up, right? And when you get to sit down with your employer and tell them what you love about working there and why you were kind of worried about having this conversation because you didn't want, you don't want to lose your job because you love working there. Um, but you've, you know, feel like, uh, you know, fairly clear that you actually are in fact a permanent employee. And so you just want to know, you know, like, okay, you know, does the employer see it the same way and, and what are their thoughts? Um, and then basically, you know, they'll either say, um, you know, yes or no, or I'm going to think about it. Um, and then they'll, if they say, I'm going to think about it, you'll either get a yes or a no, or they just won't get back to you. Um, so basically you'll either get a yes or you'll get a, you know, wait till next time you'll get a no. Um, and if it's a no, well, you do have legal recourse, you know, but, um, if you, if you, you know, follow up with legal recourse, you can probably keep your job and get your super too, but you'll hate working there. So, you know, that's, that's the choice that you get to make. Um, and if they say yes, well, great high five, awesome, well done. Um, and if they say, I'll think about it, I think that's fair enough. Um, but don't let them think about it indefinitely. You know, like if they say, I'd like to think this over, say, yeah, I totally understand. Um, you know, this, has repercussions for how you pay everybody probably at the at the workplace. Um, you know, how long do you think you'd like to think it over for? Because I, you know, I, I don't want to leave this as an open ended conversation. Um, you know, I'd, I'd really like to resolve this. So, you know, when should we? When should we? You know, when should we touch base again? Um, so, you know, I hope that helps, Ashley. I can't guarantee it's going to go well for you, but I think you know by by doing these couple of things by giving advance warning of here's what I want to talk about and doing it in a respectful, open, positive way. And then just being like straight up, just be straight up. Say, hey, look, I love working here. You know, I love these three, four, five things about working here. Um, but, you know, here's something I'm really apprehensive about right now and I'm worried about losing my job to bring this up, but I feel it's important um, because I love working here, but I also feel like you know, I, this, this is something I feel strongly about. Um, and then just show them the ATO calculator. You know, they're probably not aware of it. Um, yeah, so good luck. I hope that helps, Ashley. Okay, well, that is all we have for today. So I hope you found these interesting and helpful. And if you have a question, you can email it to me at ama at breathe.edu.au or you can uh, DM me on social media or ping me on Slack. Have an awesome week and I'll talk to you again next week.